We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise debit cards are contactless, secure, and faster than ever. So fast, they're giving the cheetah run for his money. Emprise Bank, member FDIC. So appreciative of them and what they have done. They've been our partner in Possible. And uh, we really cannot do what we're doing without them. So thank you to Emprise Bank. And thank you to my dear pals for joining me here to preview the Monday night football game against the New York Giants. And here to help me, first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello. What's good? Well, I'll tell you what. I've forgotten how fast the cheat is because it's been a long time since I've got to see him like actually run down the football field. He's <laughs> busy running little hitch routes and whatnot. So uh, that, that's how good I'm doing. I'm starting the show off by critiquing the Chiefs offense already. So that, that's where I'm at right now, Craig. I finally feel like I've been brought down to the level of you having to cover this defense over some <laughs> trying times. Like, oh, we wow. are on now level playing fields now. So uh, I don't know hold, how you do this. Hold on. It, it took precisely quantity <laughs> one game. Of Correct. One full game. Quantity Correct. one. Correct. And yes. you're done. Buddy, man. You live in the three. Bob Sutton era. Like, come on now. This is... <laughs> That defense at least did some fun stuff. Name one fun thing this offense just did. Oh, uh, wait, I can't. The end around to Tyreek was kind of cool, where they faked the pitch, GT the, the counter. Pitch that Travis Kelsey had was, was pretty sweet. <laughs> I, I did pretty love that. My favorite was when he tried to do it later in the game. <laughs> he was like, no, probably nope. shouldn't. They definitely <laughs> called the first one, and the second one was just him. They're like, well, we're down by 20-some points. Why not? Hey. Worked the first time. <laughs> it did. That's Barley Hop, by the way. Find him on Twitter, Barley Hop Craig Style. Hi. Don't look <laughs> him up. Don't fight. <laughs> Please don't. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, preview this game. Uh, preview this Monday Night Football game. It's fun. It's a national television game. It's so awesome to get to see the Chiefs showcase their skills and abilities as one of the premier teams in the National Football League, right? Against uh, the Giants, another one of the premier football teams in the, in the National Football League. <laughs> it's going to be but that's awesome. What we couldn't make it through. One of the yes. teams is coming off a win. <laughs> wow, we are snarky and cynical, but we're hoping let's do this. We're let's hoping break this down. Let's break this game down because we still have some takes to get off, and we break down both sides of the football, offense and defense. And we'll start with the offense. 
normally we start with the offense because it's the most important, but now we just got to start with the offense because we've got a you know, we got a lot to cover here. And I think the, it starts with this matter. You got to make Patrick Mahomes comfortable, something you haven't seen really recently. Hopefully, you can get back into that mode a little bit, that rhythm, help him gain a little bit of comfort here. Kit, you like to pride yourself on reading the teleprompter, and you skipped over my first point of let's just break down the Manning cast. So, like, <laughs> let's focus on the good. The, the Manning cast, I believe, is coming back for this game. Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. We will. Uh, well, it is back. I'm not kidding about that. But we will talk about the Chiefs' offense now. Finally, yeah, Patrick Mahomes does not look comfortable. I think there's a lot of issues, and we've I've kind of written about it this week on the you know KC Sports Network Substack. You know, you can go go over there, read some stuff, find out what we think's going on with the offense a little bit. But it's clear that Mahomes isn't playing well. The offense isn't clicking. You can point your finger to a bunch of different things. But the big thing that keeps jumping out to me is just there's uh, not meshing of styles between the offensive line, the quarterback play, and what the coaches are asking everybody to do. And it just makes everybody look like they're playing a little uptight. Nobody's playing with confidence. And that starts with Patrick Mahomes. Just look at his feet in the pocket. Anytime he's having to work through his progressions from his first read to his second read. And then after that second read, his feet just kind of fall apart. They get out from underneath him. He starts kind of getting the, the patent and Alex Smith happy feet that everybody complained about for years where they just start pit pattering all around and he just never looks comfortable. So you've got to find a way to get him comfortable again. I don't know if that means less RPOs. So he's getting more reps in with his footwork, you know, stepping, you know, dropping back, hitting the back of his drop and stepping forward as he reads through his progressions. I don't know if that's getting him out, rolling him out, like design rollouts more often, whatever it is, you got to find a way to get him more comfortable behind the line of scrimmage. Because right now, no matter what play is called, no matter if someone's open or not, I just don't think that he's operating comfortably. Not that he's not, can't be good. He's just not comfortable behind this offensive line for whatever reason. Yeah. And even, you know, last week was a little bit of an aberration with the interior offensive line. You know, they they have been largely good for most of the year. The tackles have had some up and down games, but they, they've held their own against pretty good pass rushes up until last week. Now, granted, Harold Landry is a monster this year. He really is a monster this year. In a bad really matchup. Yeah, bad matchup a bad matchup. Guess what? kind of another bad matchup <laughs> Aziz Ojolari is coming off a two and a half sack game he got 12 pressures on the year he's got five and a half sacks a guy that we loved out of the draft that is a very smooth a bendy guy a little bit explosive they got Quincy Roche a guy that also is explosive coming off the edge and then they got some power guys you know they got Lorenzo Carter O'Shane Zimenez is a big long guy as well they got good pass rushers on the outside Dexter Lawrence on the interior, Leonard Williams on the interior. This is another good defensive line that could give these tackles, could give the interior offensive line a little bit of trouble again. So you've got to get Patrick Mahomes in his safe zone, at least, because I do feel like he's going to feel some pressure this game. And we've seen it before, and we've seen him handle it before. You've got to get him in his comfort zone with the play calling, with what's being run on the field, where people are on the field, whatever the case may be, because I do feel like there's going to be some pressure in his face again this week. He can't look like he did against the Titans. You can't have him dealing with everything on top of the fact that he had pass rushers in his face for a large majority of the game through his fault or the offensive <laughs> line's fault. No, for sure. And it's going to, it's, it's going to take a lot of things, I think, to get to get 
Mahomes entirely back on track, but I think it doesn't that doesn't mean that none of them or all of them can't happen in some small capacity in this this game. I mean, I, I think there's probably some moments of honesty, you know, that you've seen from Patrick Mahomes some <laughs> in some of the press conferences and some of that stuff. I think he kind of knows a lot of the little issues here and there. Like he's not stupid. He's he's the one experiencing it all. And so he knows that maybe some of the mental barriers at times that he's probably got to overcome. Uh, maybe not necessarily just in rhythm, but stepping into the pocket, he's got to feel, you know, relatively comfort and comfortable with the firmness of the interior of that pocket. Cause I think for the majority of the season, there's been places for him to step up. And so even some of the stuff like that, I think, and even, you know, you saw him, he, he, he made some great plays jumping out of the pocket by stepping up and then out, you know, against Washington two weeks ago. And so, just I think I think it's a combination of a bunch of little things and, and a level of confidence and a level of trust he probably just needs to put at some point. It's gotta be enough is enough with you know pocket integrity at some point too. He's gotta just well, trust I, what's happening there. Oh, go Maddie. No, as I say, I think and part of it is definitely there's a big emphasis on feeling comfortable in the pocket, keeping, you know, there's clean space for him to step up into, not having his right tackle pushed into his lap. A lot of I mean, the Titans did a really good job of driving Mike Rimmers back, which kind of reduced the area where Mahomes does like to step up, which is kind of up and to the right. But I think it also goes to the receivers too. You look at how the Titans with like their third string secondary played these Chiefs receivers. They were physical with them at the line of scrimmage. You didn't get Chiefs receivers opening up quickly. I know people are sending out like screenshots of running backs or tight ends crossing the field, but they're doing it late in the play. Like these guys were not uncovering early this right. secondary, they have talent. You know, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan. Like, these aren't great cornerbacks, especially this year, but it's more talented than what the Tennessee Titans put out there on the field last week. So if this team comes out and challenges the Chiefs in the exact same way at the line of scrimmage, they make these receivers beat them off the line, how do you get them open at a time that Mahomes is comfortable throwing the ball to where he doesn't feel like he's just sitting back there having to hold it and having to wait for Travis Kelsey and nobody else to ever uncover. That's part of it too. You have to make him feel comfortable releasing the ball at an earlier time and not just having to hold on to it until Demarcus Robinson makes like his fourth move on the play to finally break open. <laughs> well, teams have been able to kind of put a lid on this offense to this point in the year uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, this from PFF Sam Munson chiefs rank in explosive pass play rate over the last few years. First, in explosive pass plays in 18, seventh in 2019, second last year in 2020, 27th this year. Explosive plays have to start kind of being part of this identity and this DNA, this football team. They're, they haven't really been able to generate, and teams are hell-bent on, on eliminating them. And honestly, it's you've seen it kind of disrupt some things here schematically and from the patience level of this offense, I think. And so... You know, they've got to try to find a, get, a way to get that back, get that going again. And it's got to start soon, and it's got to sustain itself for the remainder of the year if this team wants to do anything this year. Well, And it's got to start by them trying to make explosive plays. It really feels like there isn't an emphasis on that right now. I understand that teams are playing too high, and I know there's like jokes going around that the Chiefs are just trying to push the ball vertically, but if you watch their route combinations, they really – combinations is a loose word. If you watch the routes that they are running – it's not vertical stuff that often. Yes, they will run off some safeties. Yes, guys, Tyreek Hill and McCall Harbin are running vertical routes from time to time, but it's not like they're just throwing four verticals every single play like it seemed like they did back in 2018. By the way, they had a lot of success doing that versus two high safeties in 2018 as well. So you have to start by actually taking your shots. You have to pick them. The Titans, 
They just threw what four vertical nine routes on the outside up the boundary against two high safety looks from the Chiefs. I believe maybe one of them was where it's a single high, but they threw it to AJ Brown three times on these deep routes. They threw one to Julio Jones. Like they're like, okay, let's give my wide receiver a chance to go win downfield. And guess what? It worked half the time. Maybe higher than half the time. I don't even remember this point, but it was working. You got a catch over Sneed. You got a touchdown. You had a deep defensive pass interference, I believe. So like they were letting their receivers go make plays downfield. It doesn't feel like the Chiefs do that. They don't allow their vertical players to make plays downfield. It's either I'm, they're wide open and then they catch a long pass or they check it down and go somewhere else with it. So like not only do they need to start calling up plays to split these safeties, attack the middle of the field, when you get one-on-one outside and you're going to have the safety occupied over the middle with a second vertical route, give that one-on-one opportunity on the outside a chance. Just let it happen just to back up these defenders once in a while. Yeah, the Giants like to play soft coverage. Uh, They don't allow a ton of explosive plays. They have allowed some throughout the year, but they like to give a lot of cushion underneath, and they like to keep, you know, two high safeties over the top uh, on a lot of, you know, later downs. They are down Jabril Peppers, who got hurt this past week, a guy that was a little bit of a back-end guy for them. He... He's notorious for playing 40 yards off the line of scrimmage under, you know, <laughs> Greg Williams, <laughs> under Greg Williams, but he's actually had a, a pretty good transition over to the Giants. He's been pretty good for them. That's a bigger loss than I think most realize because he helped erase some stuff over the top with his speed. Now, all of a sudden, he's not there. Who knows who's going to fill in? You know, there's some depth charts that say Julian Love is a guy that's going to play over the top there. Not a guy that's going to be the same athlete, give you the same profile over the top. So I wonder if the Chiefs are going to see even more soft coverage with some of the corners up top. I agree. They need explosive plays and maybe work underneath until you get the defense to come up. I have a feeling that they're going to purposefully put the biggest shell that they possibly can on top of this and then not blitz. You know, we've seen teams not blitz. The Chiefs are excellent at creating explosive plays when they're facing a blitz. Teams just aren't blitzing the Chiefs anymore. They just aren't because they know that they can get beat that way. The Giants are about middle of the pack in blitzing. If they are trying to play a soft shell behind it, you're probably going to see a lot of eight men in coverage, seven men in coverage, and not a ton of blitzing again. So the explosive plays, if they do come, are going to have to come catching the ball underneath, making something work probably. I was going to say, and I think this team has really been hoping to get Tyreek Hill on some of those run-throughs that you saw were part of the explosive offense in in Mm -hmm. 2018 when Patrick Mahomes first got here. Think about the big first, you know, that RPO slant that they popped and and Tyreek Hill ran through. I think especially with some of the angles that they've tried to get with some of those slants, because they've really kind of had some variations to some of their slant angles this year, and I think they've been trying to, you know, they've had some, you know, small little adjustments there, almost like a glance route at times, trying to get run-throughs, the defense, quick hitter run-throughs, you know, from from that, you know, from the quick game. I think that, and we were talking about this in the DMs a little bit today, I don't think there's anything that is going to keep any team moving forward out of that soft shell. I think it doesn't matter how successful you are, I think a lot of teams are just going to just going to maintain and live with that. They're they're not going to adjust. They're going to just live with the realities. Because one, the Chiefs haven't really shown the ability to consistently drive game to game half to half. They've turned the ball over a lot and so you're giving us offense a ton more chances to turn the ball over. And 
the alternative is you've seen what this team can do down the field. So I think the team, the Chiefs are just going to have to really figure this out, figure this, you know, you know, this, this long sustained drive thing out pretty quickly. And they're going to have to do it for the rest of the year. And there's not going to be much of anything that's going to change teams identity. Even if it starts, even if the team Chiefs start eating into it, I don't think all of a sudden the run game starts working well, all of a sudden now you're going to start adding more into the bat and adding more math to the box. No, I don't think so. I think you're just going to live with a lot of these things and just, you know, force them to be uber efficient and not turn the ball over in the red zone, which happens all the time. So <laughs> before the, before this, uh, before this fine program started, me and me and Craig were quoting one of the greatest movies. And I genuinely think the most underrated movie of the nineties and Maddie wasn't born in the nineties. So he didn't know what movie this was. <laughs> Uh, it's the, it's the wonderful Tom Hanks written, directed and starred in movie, that thing you do. Uh, and there's a very, very wonderful line in that movie. Tom Hanks is, uh, talking to the band, the fictitious sixties band, and they're about to go on stage. And he just says something pretty simple. He says, it's very important. You do not stink today. (laughs) Look, this team and that was movie no talk guarantees. with Kit Swanson. <laughs> we could, we could, hey, look, we could, me and me and Craig could literally quote. Uh, maybe we, maybe we should. Them. What if we just quoted that no, thing you should you not for no. twenty-one no. questions this week? No, that should no. just be our show on twenty-one <laughs> no. questions this week. It's just let's put in a movie. This team needs a big game, and they need it in a bad way. They need to mm-hmm. start putting the pressure on teams watching film every week and they need to put a little fear back in the rest of the national football league. And honestly, I don't know if one game is going to do it, but I think it starts with one game and this is the game it has to start with because they don't have, they're running out of time. They're running out of opportunities. They got a big tough stretch coming pretty quick here. They can't stink tomorrow or a Monday. They can't, they need a big performance. They need to get right on track immediately. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. Is that is that where we're going with that? I just that that's it. I'm teeing you up, Maddie. It's very important you don't stink today. It's very important that they do not stink today or on Monday. So you know, don't stink on Friday or Thursday or Monday. You know, just don't stink at all. Uh, It is important. Yes, I do think the Chiefs do need to get back on track at some point in time. I, I guess doing it against the Giants is as good of a time as any. Like, yeah, you want to play good against the Giants, but you got to be start. able to carry that momentum into other games. But we thought that the second half of the Washington football team was a start, and then it wasn't. So, like, I don't yeah. need to see them not stink versus the Giants just to come out and lay an egg the very next week again. That does that does nothing for the prospect going forward. So, I, I just it's going to be hard. No matter what at the end of this game, no matter what the offense does, it's going to be really hard to sit here and on Tuesday morning and say – they figured it out. They know what they're doing now. It's just going to be a let's wait and see because we've seen the same issues all year kind of creep up, creep up, creep up. And even if you get a good performance that pushes them back down, it's still going to be there in the back of your mind. And I don't think anything they can do against the Giants is going to change that in my mind unless they do what point two is and they create explosive plays. I don't need to see them come out there and move the ball on 18 play drives up and down the field like they did against the Eagles throwing three-yard passes. Like, it's awesome. It's super efficient. It's fun to watch as a fan, but I don't think that changes their perspective of the rest of the year just because I don't think this team is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to compete against playoff teams that way. They have to learn how to be 
the Chiefs offense that has been that has made themselves feared around the league, and that's pushing the ball downfield. That's finding ways to attack space horizontally and vertically, not just take a bunch of five, seven yard completions, which is, there is a purpose for it. There's a there's it does good, but that won't change my mind on what the team's going to be, especially against the Giants. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our fearless followers in the Discord pointed out how fortunate the uh, Chiefs schedule is for the fan base here that we get an NFC East team to get our hopes up and then we turn around and just get smashed by the Bills and again an NFC East team and then turn around and get smashed by the Titans got an NFC East team got the Packers waiting next week so I mean <laughs> oh. let's see you gotta carry the momentum you gotta play well I want to see a lot of positive not just a little I don't want to see a half of positive I'm gonna see a complete game I want, or as close to a complete game as this team possibly can play at this point, because you need some serious mojo going into this Packers game. There's a lot of focus on that. The Chiefs have to start winning games. Their margin for error is so slim from here on out because they have one of the hardest schedules left in the NFL. From a win-loss perspective, they have the number one hardest schedule left in the NFL. They are behind the eight ball. They got to start winning. You got to start stringing games together. You got to start stealing some wins against these teams that we see as good teams. You can't just keep dropping games against good teams, turn around, beating up on bad teams. You're not the Matthew Stafford Lions. You are the Kansas City Chiefs. You need to turn around and start beating good teams again. But handle the bad ones. Get your mojo right. So you can turn around and build off of a performance. If you want your mojo right when you're going to propose to your significant other, you should check out Ruback Fine Jewelry. They will get you the right ring at a price that will fit your budget. I love talking about these people. They've been so great. And I, I can I can tell you it's genuine when we say it's a no-hassle experience when you go and you meet with Hal, the owner of Ruback Fine Jewelry. He... Um, doesn't put a ton of pressure on you. He's going to help you stay within your budget. It's a, you know, it, it's going to be a pretty stress-free environment. They're going to give you a custom ring experience. You're going to get to, you know, kind of, you really will get to customize and he'll make it all make sense. He'll make it all make sense within your budget. Um, you know, you, you'll find something that, um, that you'll be happy with and that your significant other will be, will be happy with as well. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to ruback.co, set an appointment with Hal. Uh, you, uh, you won't regret it. I promise you they're wonderful. And, uh, we've been really fortunate to, to partner with them the last couple of years. So ruback.co, there's no M set an appointment with how custom ring buying experience. Trust me players to watch on offense. What you got here, Maddie? Jumping to me again. I, I like it when you skip Craig to come to me for these. Um, I'm going to go with Orlando Brown. I think that he clearly needs a little bit of a rebound game after the performance he put up against the Tennessee Titans. The unfortunate thing, and I think Craig kind of alluded to it, if the New York Giants are a smart defensive coaching staff, they're going to put Azizo Jolari out there over Orlando Brown, and they'll just line him up wide and tell him to rush deep. That's where Azizo Jolari finally had, not finally, but he had his best game of the year last week, and it's, they were pushing him a little bit farther outside. They were lining him up a little bit wider. That's clearly where Orlando Brown's going to struggle the most. So what's that look like? What is what is Brown's adjustment? What are the coaching points to get him to be a little bit better for Patrick Mahomes? How does Mahomes deal with that same kind of deep pressure coming off that edge? So I think 
this moment right here from here on out, if Orlando Brown wants to get a big paycheck and stay at left tackle in the NFL, he's kind of going to turn it around. It has not been a good first seven weeks. He's This is where he's got to start turning around if he wants to be paid. My guy to watch is Tyreek Hill. Uh, we're, I just mentioned that the Chiefs are probably going to see a lot of soft coverage, a lot of space underneath Tyreek Hill as good of as a go ball as a speed receiver he is he's also ridiculously good as a you know an underneath route runner he can take a slant and take it to the house if he catches the ball please catch the ball this week so i expect the chiefs are going to use tyree kill on a lot of slants underneath try and convert try and pick up some 8 10 12 chunk yardage early in the game get things going to the point where you can then set some stuff up after that. Get McCole Hardman, get Demarcus Robinson on some of those deep overs and get the safeties starting to get comfortable, you know, spinning down, trying to get into that high hole and then have Tyreek Hill hit like a sluggo and get over the top, get an explosive play on this team that wants to give space, wants to keep the shell over the top. I think there are ways to set it up, but I think you've got to capitalize on it early and he's got to catch those slants. He's got to be good underneath to help set some of that stuff up. Another guy who needs to be good is McCall Hardman. This is the, uh, we're, we're sitting two straight games where McCall Hardman's put the ball on the ground and his team has lost the football. You know, there are, there's like McCall has value, especially like you've seen, like some of the end around plays have had a lot of success. He winds up having a nice carry here and there. You know, he's had some, you know, decent games catching the football a little bit, you know, he's been getting open. Some of it garbage, but, garbage time stuff but like he's a guy that the chiefs need consistent production out of doesn't have to be a ton of production at this juncture in his career um i think we kind of i don't think we, we don't need to change the expectations from we just need him to hold on the football this team can't continue to afford to, to turn the football over and patrick mahomes obviously needs needs this message too but we talk about mahomes all the time mccall needs to protect the football two straight weeks that this has happened cannot happen anymore uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of guys just saying no more about stuff like ball protection because it's getting absurd. I saw a stat. The Chiefs are on pace for 41 turnovers this year. And I think the most that the Chiefs have had in the Andy Reid are in the teens. Is that you, Craig? Yeah, it was me. Oh, well, why don't you repeat the stat then? Hey, hey, the Chiefs are, are on pace to turn the ball over 41 times. Thanks for throwing it to me, Kent. <laughs> and I'll repeat my more. response to that. The 2011 Philadelphia Eagles, also coached by Andy Reid, had 38 turnovers in 2011. Let's just not talk so, about that. Protect the football. Was 37. Protect the football. McColl, everyone else, Tyreek, protect the football. Let's go. All right, let's talk about the defense. And, you know, Daniel The better unit. The better <laughs> Hey, they shut out the Titans in the second half. The Titans didn't throw in the fourth quarter. Um, Daniel Jones is a, is a sneaky good athlete. Uh, people don't realize that he does a lot with his legs. He's able to, you know, he's able to, when he's not tripping over the 10 yard line on his way to an 80 yard touchdown run, you know, he's, he's doing some good things with his legs. Uh, and, uh, you know, so he's, he's got a little bit of athleticism to him, but I think he's a guy that can still be affected from the pocket very easily. Craig. Yes, he definitely can. They run a lot of zone run stuff or zone read stuff with Daniel Jones. And honestly, he's excellent at it. It's, it's like him and Lamar and then everybody else underneath. It really is. And not something that 
everybody expected coming in here, but he's been really good at it. Now, the thing that he likes to do is he can escape the pocket really well. He uses his legs well, but he loves to escape the pocket to his right. That's where he wants to go. When he's pressured, he is always looking out the back and to the right, and he's able to get into space and make throws that way. It makes sense. He's a right-handed quarterback. He's comfortable moving to his right there. Now, over the course of the past couple of games, you've seen teams start to pick up on this. They're starting to rush him a little wider from the right and contain rushing from the left. A lot of these zone read plays going to the left, going to his left. All of a sudden, you've got defensive ends that are playing contain on the left side of the Giants offense, and you've got guys that are rushing a little bit wider to the right. If you're stunting, the looper is going way out and around, and as Daniel Jones feels that pressure and starts to move out of the pocket, you've got a guy that's there in his face. When you start rattling him in that way, he really struggles because guess what? He's still throwing the ball. He is a top three in aggressiveness of any quarterback in the NFL, according to NFL next-gen stats. That means throwing into coverage, throwing into tight coverage. That's not necessarily a good thing. So when you are forcing him to throw the ball out of structure, forcing him with pressure in his face like that, he's still going to throw it. He's not just going to stand back there and take sacks. He is going to throw it. So Maybe adjust your rush path a little bit if you're coming off the right there. Chiefs can work some stunts. Try and get him on these bootlegs and have a guy in his face and force him to make mistakes. they got to start creating something. That's a way that they can try and attack him with scheme and try and fabricate a little more rush than they've gotten in the past couple games. So I would say one thing the Chiefs could do is rush Daniel Jones like how the Titans rushed Patrick Mahomes, where they were just trying to push the right tackle back a little bit, send the left your left defensive end deep around the pocket just to chase him down from behind. However, I don't trust a single Chiefs defensive end to ever run the arc, <laughs> let alone catch Daniel Jones from behind. Daniel Jones is fast. I don't think he's sneaky fast. I think he's straight up fast. So like I don't trust, I don't think the Chiefs have the athletes to pull that. So I think like Craig's saying. You're either going to be stunting some guys out and around, looping around to that side, you know, off to the right-hand side, or you're going to be rushing a little bit wider, a little bit deeper off there, trying not to let him just get around you. You're going to try to mush-rush him. That's Chiefs have done that in the past. Lamar Jackson, when they played the Ravens and stuff, so like that's something they are familiar with doing. I do think you have to go about that. I don't think you can let Daniel Jones get loose. If you let him get confident, if you let him get out and have some clear space to start making throws, he can't find a little bit of a rhythm. Like he's a he's a well-coached technical thrower of the football. So when he has space, when he starts feeling himself, he can look good throwing the football on the move in the pocket. The thing is, though, if you start pressuring him, like Craig said, he'll start hurrying up his process. Now, it's weird. He almost doesn't look like he gets rattled from the pressure. He doesn't start getting too much happy feet. He doesn't start panicking he just starts going a little bit quicker and things get a little wild like I think his rookie year he was excellent in a couple games against pressure just absolutely excellent and like the joke was does he just not know he's under pressure because his pocket awareness is pretty abysmal he doesn't know when guys are hitting him he doesn't really read coverage is great but he sure will stand in there and take a hit to deliver a throw at times like you do have to just keep coming at him over and over again you can't give him space he can't have space to operate or Daniel Jones can look almost like Ryan Tannehill did this past weekend. Yeah, he's a guy that he's an extremely tech. He kind of he's kind of a robot. He's like a technical robot. He hung around the Mannings too long. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think he has the processing speed of of Peyton or anything. 
So that really can be a little bit challenging at times, but I think there's a little bit of that with him. Um, okay. We've talked about the second level a lot. Giants, uh, they can they can certainly attack the second level with the kind of skill sets that they have and just the deficiencies of that deep of that that second level of the Chiefs defense, Craig. Yeah, they Daniel Jones is at his most comfortable when he's hitting the top of his drop and he's just letting it go. He does not like to sit back in there, read the field. So they make some of these reads a little easier for him. They work a lot of slant flat. They work the middle of the field well off of play action, but they want to really attack the second level and try and manipulate the linebackers if safety's rolled down there manipulate him too and get daniel jones to get in that rhythm like maddie was saying he's very much a rhythm thrower and when he builds that confidence you see it throughout the game now he hasn't had a lot of his weapons the past couple weeks it remains to be seen if they will be available on monday night sterling shepherd Kadarius tony even saquon barkley if all of those guys are going to be available and kenny galladay those are big weapons for him. But even in those scenarios, a lot of the passes that Daniel Jones likes to throw are middle of the field and then out to the flat. And if it's out to the flat, you're going to have your cornerback sitting a little more, creating that space in the middle of the field. And they take advantage of that when they're able to do that. Now, it gets to the point where Daniel Jones, like Maddie said, not awesome at reading coverage, will miss safeties rotating into the hole will miss guys that are kind of lurking you know play a lot of one lurk play a lot of robber coverages in the middle of the field you can take advantage of that because he's still gonna let that ball go he's gonna miss that guy late but your second level has to take away the initial throwing lane because when he hits the top of his drop he's letting it fly if it's there and so he will manipulate guys like nick bolton ben neiman willie gay jr these guys that aren't always the best at filling throwing lanes or don't necessarily have the range to fill some of those throwing lanes. They've got to be on point. They've really got to work well because I do think the key should be to have your cornerback sit and be aggressive in the flat. You got to have that space. You got to have guys that are closing down that space because there are opportunities there to create turnovers. You can force Daniel Jones into mistakes, but he will take full advantage of the linebackers and coverage. And that's just it with Daniel Jones. That ball's going to come out when he hits the top of his drop. He's looking over the middle of the field first. That's where his that's where his comfort zone is. That's where he's trying to sling the ball into. And similar to if he has space in the pocket, if there's space over the middle of the field, he's really good at finding it. But as Craig's saying, you got to get guys either rotating into that area late because he's not going to see them very often, or you got to have linebackers that are going to very understand what's happening and that are going to be able to play into that area. That was one of the big issues, I think, to start the Titans game. I don't want to say that any of the linebackers in particular were playing poorly, but the depth of their coverage drops was abysmal. These guys were so close to the line of scrimmage every time Tannehill pulled the ball out of play action, or even if it wasn't play action, their depth is just so close to the line. They weren't even attempting to drop under some crossing routes. You can't do that again against this New York Giants team. That's like the one area, that's the one way that Daniel Jones will find a lot of success. He's going to attack you up the middle of the field, especially if your depth as a linebacker is bad. There's not a safety obviously rolling in there. He will keep throwing there, and he'll throw to the flat. So like that second level, your safeties, they're going to be challenged in this game, not because 
Daniel Jones is going out of the Giants are going out of their way to attack the Chiefs there because that's their biggest weakness. That's just what Daniel Jones does. That's just his game just happens to align relatively well with where the Chiefs defensive weakness is. Yeah, just make some of those throwing lanes more competitive. Like I think mm-hmm. we kind of like there's there's only so much the second level is gonna be able to do athletically. Like that's just we know this. This is we we can say it. I mean, that's the, the entire second level struggles to be, you know, competitive at the second level in the coverage. So just try to make them as competitive as you can and and hopefully that's enough, you know. Um <laughs> and it could be against Daniel Jones. Be. It really could. He'll start he'll start th- floating him to the flat after that, too. You start taking away the middle of the field. Man, there are some balls that are right for the picking in the flat. I don't think he's yeah, I do got to say. Oh, go ahead. I, just, like, I don't think he's a progr- – like, he's not a progression thrower. Like, and that's kind of weird because he's a, he's such a technical – like, I think everything – the process leading up to the progressions very mechanically sound. It's very aesthetically pleasing. If you've been hanging around Pey- Peyton Manning, like, it looks – he looks like a Manning brother up at up to the top of his drop seriously i mean no, he it, does and the processing just slows down that, that's just, what it is the processing once if you get him you know the farther you get into the progression with him the worse he off he gets and so you know i i think that's going to be crucial for this team so making those passing lanes competitive you know we talk about these tight window throws we make those windows tight but also if he's thinking too much and th- that passing lane's competitive enough maybe he's working down you know, and so I think that's that's really valuable uh, in this kind of game, uh, especially as one more thing. Get- oh yeah, one more thing that relates to Daniel Jones. Um, hopefully, or not hopefully, but if the Giants, if Jason Garrett decides to you know, change up a little bit of their traditional game plan, I'm interested to see if they do challenge the Chiefs' cornerbacks isolated in these one-on-one windows on the outside. We're coming off a couple weeks now of teams having a lot of success doing just that versus these Chiefs' corners. Daniel Jones, like Craig said, isn't afraid to throw in the tight windows. So I could definitely see them, especially if Kenny Galladay's healthy or mm-hmm. she, uh, Sterling Shepard is healthy. These guys that he trusts a little bit more, trying the Chiefs a little bit on the outside, even if guys are in relatively good coverage. It just seems like a team that might take advantage of that if they have the right guys available. I think some of those out th- outside throws actually fit a lot with what I, you know, you might want to try to do with Daniel Jones, honestly, because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of progression to it either. You know, right. it's yeah. one, it's that's that. If you a lot even of those, throw it, if Boom. you're wanting, it, yeah. if you're one, well, I mean, honestly, if you're trying to take those those outside shots, you know, there's there's pretty good indicators pre-snap a lot of times, and no safety can, throw. I mean, yeah, 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 you can get that. You can get to the top of that drop and go and let it let it rip. So I think there's a lot that actually makes a lot of sense there. Okay, so the Chiefs were dominant against the run against the Tennessee Titans. Just, just dominant. Just dominant. strong at three. It was fun. It was actually, you know, like was was there nice. were some good things there early in the game. And then they just turn around, play action, throw the ball at will behind the linebackers, outside corners, like just all day, all day, every day, which is why we kind of just talked about, I think, closing some of those windows. And, and we literally just touched on both both of the, the areas of the field that you should be concerned about. But the run defense was awesome. And hopefully they can re- repeat that performance again, Maddie. Here's the tricky part. Against the Titans, the Chiefs ran a lot of run blitzes. They had the linebackers, even if they weren't run blitzing, they had them working downhill into the line of scrimmage and then popping back out once they saw it was play action. That was very much a coaching point. They were sticking them close to the line of scrimmage. They were getting them moving downhill for a very specific purpose of stopping Derrick Henry, which they did. That also played a huge role into the shallow zone coverages that these linebackers had. Like, Nick Bolton, I'm going to be frank, right now doesn't have good zone spacing. His zone depth is pretty much wherever he is 
pre-snap. That's about as deep as he's going to get. So when you have him run blitzing or moving downhill, he reads that it's play action. He's not going to get back underneath crossing routes. So for this game against the Giants, I don't think you can live that same way. I don't think you can send him and Willie Gay and Ben Neiman on all, not just Nick Bull, but all these guys. You can't send them on run blitzes. You can't ask them to play downhill into the line of scrimmage every snap because you saw what happened, what the Titans did off the play action stuff. I don't think you're that fearful of this Giants rushing attack to change your game plan that much. So what does this run defense look like when the linebackers are having to read and react rather than just simply go? That's the question. What does it look like when they have to play from traditionally you know, five yards of depth? What does it look like when they're having to read the offensive line versus just attacking as soon as the ball goes? It's going to be entirely different. And you hope they can repeat their performance. You hope all the guys play just as well. But it's going to be an entirely different style of fitting the run this week, I would imagine. And so it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. What, you're uh, you're not terrified of Devontae Booker? In the run game, I think terrified Jason, if Saquon comes back. Yeah, I don't. It, it, it doesn't appear that Saquon will be back. Yeah, this he, week. He, he he took part in a walkthrough today, so I mean, we'll like, see. Eh, we'll there see. might be some gamesmanship there. There could be. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett has a very unimaginative run offense. Um, it's actually just offense in just general. Offense. Just offense. Uh, it's. It's it's it, it's pretty unimaginative, and you know I think this actually you know you're talking about opportunity to read and react. This could actually really be a good. I don't think this is a game where you know these guys' keys are going to be too, you know, too off. You know, too, I don't want to say too put off. I think you're going to have you know it's going to be pretty straightforward. Their motions are even relatively predictable. Like it just it's it's pretty pretty boring. So that could actually be beneficial here. Uh, yeah. When we're talking about this outside of just the you know. Outside of just run blitzing, having actually having to read and react, there's Jason Garrett hasn't proven to really you know throw a lot at these guys historically. This in his two years in with the Giants. And when you have your replacement Mike linebacker, who should be your Mike linebacker going forward, you know, when you got him in the middle of the field, you saw some growing pains, expected growing pains last week, some stuff that they didn't feel like they could check out of. The Titans really stressing the calls that were coming from some of that stuff against the pass. So yeah, I'm with Maddie. I do think that they're going to lay back a little bit. I want to see Nick Bolton still be able to attack gaps the same way that he was before. Now that doesn't mean that he's run blitzing, that he's moving downhill before the snap, but he looked so much more comfortable reading from the mic, setting the fronts, knowing the gap that he could attack and knowing where he could be off of the shoulder of his defensive line. That was the part that I was most impressed by, by Nick Bolton. It wasn't, it wasn't just that he was stepping into the hole and that he was hitting Derrick Henry. That was all great, but it was the way that he was reading the departure of the defensive lineman reading what the block was on his way downhill. You want to see more of that. You want to see more of that from a standstill going forward, because if he can do that repeatedly, that's exactly what you need against the run, especially against a team like this, because you can stay at that zone depth. You can gain a little more, take away those crossers a little bit better than they are, and you're still able to get downhill, make the stop, be a good player. I, and I, I think that this is the opportunity here. If he shows it back-to-back weeks here, all of a sudden, that's what you hang your future on. That's your future, Mike. That's the guy going forward. And he deserves to hold that spot 
just like our good pals at McAdoodles, deserve to hold a spot in Kansas City or wherever your neck of the woods is. If you're a franchisee, you need to get a hold of info at macadoodles.com. Send them an email. Send my good buddy Roger an email to get one of these. It's like printing money, you guys. It really is. You're going to have so many people that are going to come to your spot if you open one up wherever you are, whether it's Kansas City, whether it's Topeka, whether it's Des Moines, whether it's... Let's call it Jacksonville. Put one in Jacksonville. Why not? <laughs> Good people at Jacksonville deserve a deserve a Macadoodles. Wherever you're listening to this, get a hold of them. Talk to them about becoming a franchisee. We need one in Kansas City. We need a spot that they can hold down going forward. We absolutely do. All right, players to watch. What you got, Craig? All right, my player to watch is Juan Thornhill. Um, he has regained his starting spot on this defense. Uh, I felt like he looked pretty good against the Washington football team. He was a willing player in run support against the Tennessee Titans, and I didn't have any major complaints about him in coverage against the Titans either. So I want to see him have that back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back good performances. The, you know, this is a game where a guy like Juan Thornhill is going to be asked to do a lot. If you've got your cornerback sitting on the flat aggressively, he's going to have to make sure that he stays up top of go routes, closes things up along the boundary. And if you're going to have a guy that's going to sit in the hole, try and pick Daniel Jones off prime Tyron Matthew territory there, you've got to have Juan Thornhill be able to hold down that single high safety spot over the top, especially if Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard are out there. Those are guys that can beat you vertically. So he's going to be tasked with some tough asks if they really want to press and play aggressive underneath. So he's got to erase a lot of stuff on the back end. I hope he has a great game. I'm going to stick with some young guys. I'm going to go with Willie Gay. I, we talked a lot about Nick Bolton and his ability to play the run and you know maybe some shortcomings in the past game. I think Willie Gay is kind of positioned by Chiefs fans as this like savior of linebacker. He's super athletic. The athleticism pops on the side. Mean, he's so explosive. He's so fast. It pops to you. It's really easy to believe in him. But what has he done this year since come back? What has he really done even last year? You know, I know he was a rookie, but what has he done? Like what plays are you hanging your hat on that he's made? There's not many of them. His biggest impact so far this year may be missing was it Ryan Tannehill on a tackle and where Tannehill was scrambling up the middle? He just kind of overran him. It's like the interception was sweet though. Okay, yes. No, there was, yes. I did forget about the interception as he disengaged from the block. <laughs> but outside of this one play, no, it's just, I think this, you talked about it with Jason Garrett. His offense isn't over complex. It's pretty simple. I don't think there's too much stuff out here that should confuse Willie Gay. So if you see him reacting late to stuff, if you see him looking super explosive, but chasing everything from behind, never getting out over the top of stuff or being so far behind that he's overrunning things, that's a little bit of a cause for concern. He should be operating at least as fast as this New York Giants offense is mentally. And if he's not, you, you, you might have to be a little bit worried about how he's progressing along to play with Nick Bolton in the future. I'm going to go with Frank Clark. Why not Frank Clark? You know, uh, this has been a really just abysmal year up front, largely everywhere for the majority of the year. Frank Clark's generating a little bit more pressure. He's starting to come on a little bit more. I don't want to say he's he's definitely not the 
worth the contract or anything like that. But there is a little bit of pressure actually being applied here. I think his pressure rate's over 15 or something like that. Craig, if you want to look that up. It was 17% uh, this this past week. Yeah. So, you know, the much maligned Frank Clark still not worth the contract, but he's, you know, he's, he's, He's shown he's shown a pulse, and I think you gotta just hope for that. You gotta hope for him to continue to stack better days. You hope that the hamstring is healing up, and that you know he's kind of heading on the right direction. And we'll see if he can do that against the likes of a Nate Solder, against the likes of a Matt Pert. So uh, this is a good week to maybe you know generate a little bit more pressure here. All right, game prediction time, guys. What you lot. got? I know. It's a good week to generate pressure. We've said it. We've said a lot of things this year. It's oh, that's not just this a year. good week to generate pressure. It's never not a good week to generate pressure. Somebody tell the Chiefs. <laughs> we should pick them to lose, Craig. Maybe that's what. Maybe that'll. Maybe no. that'll turn things around. Not this week. No, I. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to drop this game. I think that the Titans can be salty. Uh, especially if Daniel Jones gets in a rhythm. I feel like their defense is going to play the Chiefs, largely how a lot of other defenses have played the Chiefs recently. And so I think you're going to see maybe a little more slow-moving offense if it's not clicking the way that we want it to or the way that we expect it to. This could be a close game for the majority of it. So I'm actually picking the Chiefs to win 27 to 21 but i think it's a little bit of a back and forth game against the giants and that's gonna have a lot of people very worried going into the green bay game next week (laughs) i'm worried going into this game i (laughs) i think that this game um i think the giants have a lot better chance to win this game than i think a lot of people are giving them i think national media i think chiefs fans kind of have this one chalked up to the chiefs going to go and take care of business and then we're going to talk about them trying to turn it around next week when they're going to play the packers like i feel like that's the mindset of everybody i don't think it's that clear cut i don't think it's that simple i don't think the chiefs are playing good football i don't know how good of a football team they are like it's clear they're not playing well but how good are they actually going to be i don't know if you see like get much of an answer to this game, but I think they battle through it. I think it's a close game. I think it's a hard-fought victory. I'm giving the Chiefs the victory 31-27, to 27, but I, I think it's going to be real tight. I don't think it's at any point in time going to look like the Chiefs are dominating this game. There's nothing that the Chiefs can do on Monday Night Football that's going to make me feel any differently about this team after this game. What if they lose? Outside of... I, positively. Yeah, they could make it... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's could, one thing that you do <laughs> negatively. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing like there's nothing that I will feel differently about this team positively after the the Giants came in. Honestly, I'm not sure there's anything that is really going to make me feel too differently about this football team positively after a Packers win. This team has hurt me. <laughs> this team has broken me. This team has broken. I think a lot of Chiefs fans. To where there's polls out there where people are voting and like like this team is like overwhelmingly voting that the team will not make the playoffs. Look, we've we are not that far removed from this team waxing the best AFC defense the the, ba- the best AFC contender in the AFC championship game last year. This was in the same calendar year. And I am broken. And I don't know. I, I think there's one thing that can really like, I, I, I honestly don't think 
I don't think a three and one record in November is going to do it for me. It's going to give me the same kind of confidence and swag that I have about this football team. Do you know what I need? I need a hashtag no loss November from this team. I need four wins against a gauntlet. And guess what? If that happens, I'm going to be flexing. I'm going to be puffing my chest out. I will be saying Patrick LeVon Mahomes up and down. I will have zero doubts. I will be I will be betting on Super Bowl odds if they go out and they take care of business for the whole month. But that's what I need right now. I need an entire month of this. I need four wins against the Giants, home against the Packers, on the road against the Raiders, and then against the Cowboys. I need four. And I'm back. Three ain't going to do it. I'll be looking at mock drafts with three. I need four. Hashtag no last November can't start without a win. I predict a win against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. And hopefully it's the start of a stretch against a very good group of teams that gets our swag back here in Kansas City. Because it is a lot more fun when we act like we have the best player in the world. And right now, we have no reason to feel that right now. 35-21, Kansas City Chiefs win. Hopefully, it's one of four in a hashtag no loss November. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory Game Preview Edition. Thank you so much for listening, watching, wherever you're consuming this. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Leaders lead. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.